The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Good morning and a very warm welcome inside our studio. I'm Rebecca Lowe, Tim Howard, Robbie Earl alongside me all weekend. We will talk Stephen Gerrard in just a moment. But if you haven't heard the news over the last few days, we must share with you that NBC reached an agreement with the Premier League to extend the deal. And it will reach 15 years now as a partnership as there is a new six-year deal in place for NBC Universal to show the Premier League all 380 games, of course, every season, right to you, the American Premier League at uh, Premier League fan at home. So good news all round. Tim, Robbie, good news as well mm. for Aston Villa fans. Right man, right time, right place? Yes, yes and yes. I just feel as though it's, it's a natural fit. It's the right time in his career. What I like about Steven Gerrard, Rebecca, and we've, we've seen him as a player, met him a couple of times, obviously off the pitch, but I like how he's all in, how he talks like a manager. And it's not manager speak where he's using words. It looks like it's coming from the gut, from the heart. I think, obviously, his success at Rangers w was impressive, but he's now coming to the Premier League and he's going to have to almost validate himself again to another level because that's what the Premier League is. But he's, he's so impressive with the way he works. I think it was Christian Perslow, the, the CEO, has said, you know, he's, he's interviewed five hours of detail, of clarity, of, of tactical... I just think that, you know, it's a right time for Steven Gerrard to go. And a couple of things. One, he's bringing his staff with him that's important. Gary McAllister, Michael Beale, his brains trust, who he'll lean on. And the other thing is, it's a test for him, Becca. Five straight defeats, Villa. Mm. Two points above relegation. He's got to hit the ground running. He is a Premier League legend, yeah. Tim. And, and, and that's difficult. Great players don't always make great managers. We've seen a lot fail. I do like the fact that he's bided his time, three and a half years at Rangers, some real good success up there. Um, everybody wants to be in the Premier League, and, and he was chased after, and there was a lot of rumors, and he decided to wait and take the right job. This is the right job. Aston Villa is a massive football club. You spoke about where they are on the table. Doesn't look good. But the team, I like this team. They shouldn't be there. And I, and, I, and I do feel, you asked the question, Robbie, is he the right man for the job? He absolutely is the right man for this job because these players will feel the fire get lit under him by Stephen Gerrard. 
Well, you said everybody wants to be in the Premier League, mm. and that is why, is it not? Dean yeah. Smith, who was fired by Villa, which has allowed uh, Stephen Gerrard in, has mm. taken a job so quickly and gone straight to Norwich, bottom of the table. Absolutely, and I like this fit for both mm -hmm. parties. Dean Smith isn't in the Stephen Gerrard position where I can wait for the right Premier League job. If a Premier League job is available, I think he has to take it. No disrespect to the work he's done at Brentford, at Villa, getting them up and keeping them in the league. I don't think he would get another Premier League job just on the basis of what he's done. He would have to go to the Championship. And Norwich, for all intents and purposes, look like they're going to be in the Championship next mm -hmm. season unless he can do a miracle. So, good fit for Norwich, good chance for Dean Smith to try and stay in the Premier League. Apparently he was cycling around Central Park in New York when he got the call with his wife. He said, we're heading home early. Good choice for you? Yeah, the fit seems right. This, this seems more, He's a good football manager. I do think they need to get a couple results, get that new manager bounce, just bring Watford back into the fold a little bit to give the players hope. That's what they need. They need hope to... Are they going to go down? I think so. But these players have to need something to believe in, and he can give them that. Been a good week for Christian Pulisic, hasn't it, as well, on the international scene. So Chelsea then, with all three points, hard to find fault, and they're doing it all without Romelu Lukaku, Tim. Well, you talked about the training ground, and, and they must be drilled day in and day out. They understand their roles. At the end of each game, it seems like it's, it's just a training session for them. You know, when I look at the turnover, when the ball turns over, they work hard in defense. When the ball turns over, they get to their attacking positions so incredibly quickly. They don't allow you to react. And then once you, once you look up, they're in spaces, in pockets, and find that space behind. And, Robbie, they're six points clear, yeah. having played a game more than everybody mm. else. But... They've got to be kept an eye on, haven't they? Those ch that chasing pack. It's going to be a worry, this gap. Absolutely. And you say no Lukaku, you know, coming back from international break, early kick-off, Rebecca. Lots of reasons why this might not have gone the way. Today, I just thought everything that Brendan Rodgers is trying to install at Leicester, you know, team spirit, being in games, being committed, controlling the opposition, Chelsea did today. I thought Chelsea were excellent. Professional job, got it done. They can now look forward to the Juventus game midweek in the Champions League. That's a big game for them. Problems for Leicester, what are they? Um, that the team have gone flat. That Brendan Rodgers, we saw that rise. We saw them win the FA Cup. But these players and the system at the moment doesn't seem to fit now. For foreigners out and Justin out, which will help them when they come back. But second best again today, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. There is a sense that sometimes Brendan's teams like go so far and then start to dip. So in the early game at the KP Stadium, it ended 3-0 to Chelsea. This the second from a super casual N'Golo Kante. Excellent day at the office for the league leaders who go six points clear. Let's hear now the post-match interview of manager Thomas Tuchel. Thomas, you must be delighted with that three points and the way they were won as well. Yeah, I think we played a good game, a good away game and have an excellent result. It's a, it's a good mixture. You could have had a hatful. The linesman was busy in the second half, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, we created a lot of chances and half chances. We're a bit unlucky with the, with the offside decision. That's sometimes it. But like I said before, I'm happy if we create and never stop to create. And um, was the key it was we knew we can be strong from first. We need to be strong from first to last minute. This is what we did. I'm happy with the effort and the quality. It was a deserved win. And particularly the first half was magnificent performance. 70% possession. You allowed zero shots on, on the Chelsea goal as well. That's a yeah. domination. Yes, there was a very good first half and still we were struggling in the, in the last third with our decisions uh, and uh, decision making and, and the precision. If we were like on the highest level we could have created even more chances and maybe scored the third one earlier to have a decision very early 
if it's uh, two goals, anything can happen. You know, if you have like uh, one deflected shot, one one set piece, and then whole stadium can wake up and momentum momentum can change. But we didn't allow them to to come back into the game, and the third one finished it off. The defence has been so solid, and, and you've got Tony Rudiger scoring at the other end. I mean, he's been exemplary this season for you, hasn't he? Yeah. Yes. Exclamation mark. He's outstanding from from first game until today, and. Hope it stays like this. Um, defensive uh, performance is, is strong as ever, as usual. This is um, and and they deserve uh, the praise for it because it, it we do they do a lot of uh, invisible work. They they protect each other. They support. They are brave in attacking up front, and uh, we want to be dangerous from set pieces. And he's a player who's proving his worth. And there's yeah. a lot of talk of his, his future. I mean, you must want him to stay here, of course. Everybody wants him to stay. This is uh, is pretty clear. But like I said, sometimes there's a delay in these things, and there is obviously a, a, a delay. But um, I think in, on the same side, he knows what he has uh, and in which club he plays. Fantastic club, fantastic league. It's a competitor, and that's why we have a bit of patience and hopefully a happy end. Um, and we could run through the team, but Nagala Kante as well. If there's one thing that managers used to ask from him is more goals. We saw a fantastic goal today, didn't we? So a fantastic goal. You know, I mean. If you have N'Golo, you have N'Golo. It's, it's outstanding. He seems to find another gear all the time on the pitch. Um, excellent performance from him individually. Very happy that he's back, that he feels good uh, and plays with a free mind. And, and when he does this with confidence and free mind, he can be the difference. And this puts pressure on the chasing pack, doesn't it? Yeah, well, <laughs> this is, uh, it, 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 uh, it, it's what we want to do. We want to... We want to do our things over and over again and, and reach our standards over and over again and, and push the limits uh, over and over again and I'm, I'm happy with the way we played and, and with the results. This is the only thing we can have influence in. Well done, Thomas. Thank you. Thanks. Stephen, your first interview as a manager on Match of the Day after your first win. How does that feel? feels really good. as the result we, we, we dreamt of, if you like. So it's a perfect start for us, but now we've got to go and prove we can back it up. Um, really pleased with the clean sheet. Um, everything we asked the players to do, they've done it. And um, I think we deserved it because how we finished the game. Um, Brighton had a lot of possession, but in the areas we wanted them to have the ball. Um, so, yeah, really pleased with the players, really proud of them. Um, but it's only a good start. We need to go and back it up now. It's quite some moment, wasn't it? The Ollie Watkins goal and the noise inside the stadium, your reaction in the technical area as well. There's no better sight in football. I don't know if you've got a match today, but you might have Wright, Shearer and Lineker. There's no better sight in football when you see a top number nine just open up like that and, and, and put a top-class finish in. You've seen the reaction of the Holt end. Um, they certainly played the part today, so did the rest of the crowd. And um, that gave us the breakthrough, but you know, you can only go and win the game uh, if you defend your goal well enough. And then there was a couple of really match-winning blocks in the first half. One from Emmy, the goalie, and... Um, one from Matty at left-back, so uh, they were two big moments in the first half, but I think all in all, we probably just shaded this one. Is it a significant moment to get that win as well with those late goals in your first game? Well, look, we've lost five on the spin, and um, you could tell at times the crowd were a little bit edgy today, which is understandable. The players at times were maybe a little bit edgy, but I think the way we finished the game, I thought the subs brought a lot. Ashley, Ashley Young brought fantastic experience. Bailey, Garzi, they brought quality and we looked so dangerous in the last 10 minutes of the game because Brighton fancied it and they were pushing 
and we went and hit them on the break a couple of times and um, we could have went and scored another one with Leon. So we know we've got firepower, we know we've got talented players. We just need to get the balance right to defend our goal, be organised, get the structure right and, and we'll hurt teams. And the last time we spoke to you on Match of the Day, you'd have been a player. Can you compare those two feelings today as a manager leading that side in the Premier League and with Liverpool as a player? Not in a level replace being a, being a footballer. That was the, the first dream. That was the only thing I ever wanted in life. Uh, but my career's gone. I need to move on. I have moved on. Now it's about me giving these players support and trying to help them and try and change them, change the mentality into becoming winners, and that's what I want to do. Well done. Enjoy the programme tonight. Thank you. I sure will. Cheers, Stephen. Thank you. Well, Dean, congratulations. So as comebacks go, how did that one go from your perspective? It certainly felt good. I mean, because uh, first half we weren't near the standard that we, we need to be to win football games, but we stayed in the game, and that was important. Um, we, uh, we didn't engage them high enough, dropped into a low block too early, and we're second best in the first half. But second half, I thought we went engaged a lot, a lot higher up the pitch, and um, you know, we're the better team in the second half. You have to give them credit in the first half; they were much the better team, and I thought we were the better team second half. So to come back from a goal down, you know, great header from uh, Timu early to to get us back into it after you know uh, a tough start, um, but certainly a great win and what we need. When you go behind so early, particularly when you're in the situation that you are and you're the new man in through the door, how important was that reaction and the quickness of that reaction? Yeah, well, I'd spoken to the players beforehand that, you know, football's quite a simple game, that we're trying to score goals and they're trying to score goals, and that's what normally happens. Uh, you know, but you can't go under when you concede a goal and you can't get too high when you've scored one. And uh, I felt that we didn't go under, um, and it was a great reaction to, to get a goal back from that. Um, you know, it was a little bit out of nothing, a good ball from, from Milo and uh, you know, great header from Timo, which is what he does best. Um, but as I say, second half, uh, sorry, first half we were second, second best and uh, we had to change it a little bit at half-time and get higher up the pitch. You've got some exciting young players here, that's very clear, but you've also got some very experienced players. A big save from Tim Krull and Grant Hanley's header, 30th birthday present and the first Premier League goal for 10 years. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Tim's save comes from Grant's mistake, um, you know, and I, I think he paid Tim back there with the, with the header at the end. Um, we felt we could be a, th a threat from set pieces and it's something that we've worked on. We've only had two days training with the, with the boys, um, but that attitude is, is spot on, as I said before the game. And uh, now really pleased for, for the captain to score the winning goal today. There was a real intensity, as you mentioned there and alluded to, about your second half performance. Is that the standard that's now needed over the next 26 games? Yeah, it is. And the players have seen today that you know they can actually get to that standard. And this isn't in the first half of a game. That was in the second half of a game. So it's probably when the intensity shouldn't be as high. But they've proved they can do it. And we'll keep setting standards for them. And as long as they can keep reaching them, that'll be good. It's back-to-back -back wins for the team. Have you built yourselves a platform on which to really pull this off? Listen, we'll just take one game at a time. Yes, there's a building block there today. As I say, we haven't had too long with, with the players, but they're a great bunch in there and they're hard-working and they deserve that win today. And just finally, on a personal level, you've only had an eight-day break, but how good was it to be back there? Oh, it was great. I mean, it was uh, probably better than being in New York. It's a lot cheaper than being in New York. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> Thanks, Steve, mate. Well done. Cheers, mate. Let's get some post-match reaction immediately after that defeat yesterday from the manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, after we've heard from goalkeeper David De Gea. David, what can you say after another heavy defeat? Well, there's not much, much to say. 
think it was embarrassing, to be honest, uh, to see Manchester United play like like we did today. Uh, I think it's not acceptable, to be honest. Uh, the way we are doing the things, uh, the way we are playing. Uh, of course, now it's easy to say the, the manager, the staff, uh, but I think it's. it's Sometimes it's the players. We have we're professional players. We are playing for for Manchester United, so we need to show more, much more than we are we are doing. In particular, in that first half, Manchester United was so poor. What was the problem? Yeah, yeah it was uh, like I say, embarrassing first half. Uh, we could concede four goals in, in in 45 minutes, so it was it was hard to to watch the the, the team playing like we, like today. I think it's a nightmare after nightmare again for a long time. So it's that's not acceptable. Could you believe how poor you were in the first half? David De Gea said to us it was embarrassing. Yeah, first half was very, very poor. And we need to uh, get the players in a better frame of mind to start the game because the second half, when they, it seems like they've got nothing to lose, they're, uh, they're playing well. They play well the second half. So, I mean, you, you know you've come off of awful results. Yeah. Why weren't the players in the right frame of mind? Well, What's that's wrong there. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry for. Uh, for smiling there, but that's you know that's human beings, and uh, uh, I've got to say uh, you're surprised because all these all these lads, good lads, top players, top professionals. This, um, of course, when it's not going for you, it's going against you, and that's it's hard for uh, to play with with that uh, call it mental uh, mental break. Second half, you we come out nothing to lose. They played. Fantastically, scored loads of it, or scored a good goal, created chances. But of course, it's uh, it wasn't enough. But did the individual errors continue? The Harry Maguire one, which led to his second yellow, is that typical of the errors these top-class players are making at the moment? Yeah, you know, that's a it's a yellow card. It's a bad touch and a yellow card. But the first yellow card should never have been because he's off. The boy is offside. So, but that's nitpicking. But that's uh, that's for another day because. Uh, 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 when lads are offside and you you get a book in, that should be looked at as well. Uh, anyway, it's um, it was a mistake, and that's uh, we had the uh, the upper hand in the second half. We pressed them back. I thought we played well for another five ten minutes after that, but then uh, energy died, and they they scored two goals to finish the game off. You said before today you were hoping this would be the yeah. start of something a run. Yeah. It's not. It's the continuation yeah. of a terrible run. Yeah. Where do you go from here? No, it's, it's a definite, uh, definite, uh, big, big challenge for everyone, uh, everyone in and around the club. Uh, so that's uh, that's the big question. And that's uh, not for here and now. That's five defeats out of the last seven league games. Yeah. Would you understand if the board decided to make a change? Well, I'm working for and with the club, and I've done that. I've been there for 18 years, and of course I'm. Uh, We've got a good communication, and if if the club uh, uh, are thinking about doing something, that's uh, that's a conversation between us and not you and me. I understand what you're saying, but yeah. with those statistics for Manchester United, is that acceptable? The results are not uh, good enough. We know that. Uh, we've gone 30 games unbeaten away from home. Now we lose two on the bounce, conceding four goals in both of them. So of course something's wrong. What was behind your gesture when you went across to the fans? You put your hands up at the end. No, what's the thought? I feel for the fans, and I feel with the fans, and I'm, I feel the, the same as them. It's uh, we're embarrassed losing uh, the way we do. We know we've been 
we are in a in a very bad run, a bad situation. But that's part of football, and I know they'll support the team and whoever's uh, on the pitch every single day. And then sometimes you've got to say sorry, and that was a, a sorry for the uh, performance. How concerned are you, Ollie, about your position? You know the manager carries the can. Yeah. You're not yeah. turning it around, and the performances are not acceptable. You know, that's, uh, that's not for me to, um, to worry about. I work as hard as I can, as well as I can, with the staff I've got, incredible staff. As I said, good top people, good professional players. Uh, but at the moment, we're not getting the results. So I understand your question. So um, that's, uh, but as I said, I'm not going to discuss that with, uh, with you here and now. How low are you feeling right now? Well, I've... Very, to put it that way. Appreciate your time, Ollie. Cheers. That is a difficult interview to watch. The emergency board meeting then took place a couple of hours after that interview. And then at 5.30 Eastern this morning, United issued this statement. Manchester United announces that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has left his role as manager. Oli will always be a legend at Manchester United. And it is with regret that we have reached this difficult decision. While the past few weeks have been disappointing, they should not obscure all the work he has done over the past three years to rebuild the foundations for long-term success. Oli leaves with our sincerest thanks for his tireless efforts as manager and our very best wishes for the future. His place in the club's history will always be secure, not just for his story as a player, but as a great man and a manager who gave us many great moments. He will forever be welcomed back at Old Trafford as part of the Manchester United family. Michael Carrick will now take charge of the team for forthcoming games while the club looks to appoint an interim manager to the end of the season. That is a very interesting point there at the end. So there are putting Michael Carrick in charge as interim, interim. Then they look for an interim manager after Carrick for the rest of the season. We're going to talk about that shortly. But, Tim, what lost him the job? The Watford game, purely? No, uh, no, because there was a statement that, you know, or certainly a rumoured statement that he had three games to save his job a, a few games back. That was always a false statement because this, this situation clearly has been fluid. The manner in which you lose football matches, though, we have to remember these owners are human. They see things, they feel things, they feel emotion. And what we saw yesterday was a straw that broke the camel's back. It was the fans turning on Ollie, turning on the team. His players basically turning on him in a sense. But I, I, know, I know Bruno had a nice little gesture there, but it was empty. You know, your, your captain gets sent off. That's irresponsible. We've seen that before. So the manner in which they lost forced the board's hand. Let's show you those pictures. You mentioned the gesture mm. from Bruno Fernandes. What happened at the end of the game, Robbie, was yeah. that he went over, he told his players to go over and clap the fans after that 4-1 defeat at Watford. And there he yeah. is coming through his players. Mm -hmm. He claps the fans. He also holds his hands up, as he talked about in the interview. That was his sorry yeah. to the fans, his apology. You can see Bruno behind mm. him. We're going to show you it from another angle as well because Bruno is listening to the boos. The first time, I have to say, I yeah. think, having watched United games, that he has been booed by the fans that... Absolutely adore him. Here's the other angle. Bruno is basically saying, no, no, he's wagging his finger. No, do not boo Oli, he's saying. It is us, the players. It is us, the players, who should take the blame. Do not boo the manager. Boo us, the players. So when away fans, Robbie, turn on a manager in yeah. football, it's over, isn't There's it? There's nowhere to go. That, Rebecca, was the moment I realised Oli is no longer in, in this job. When, Oli Gunnar, when things aren't going well for Oli Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United, there's silence. Silence for everybody else would be booze. There was booze yesterday for the first time. Let's remember this is a, a, a team recently against Liverpool where people walked out mm. of the stadium at half-time because they didn't want to, want to boo the manager. And that's the reason why this 
felt like something more. This felt like a step further than we've gone before. And I go back to the question that you said, what lost him the job? What lost this guy the job is that the only credentials he had for the job was that he scored a brilliant goal in 99 that won him a Champions League final. That's the only credential he had the job. So you go against Tuchel, you go against Klopp, you go against uh, Pep. Category A, top class, technical, tactical coaches. And this guy scored a great goal in the Champions League. Mm. That is what lost him his job. And that is why so many Manchester United fans this morning are so sad and so saddened at what has happened uh, and the fact that he, in the end, had to go. Questions about Solskjaer, yes, have been asked and now at least we can move on. But questions surely, Tim, have to be asked as well about the hierarchy at Manchester mm -hmm. United, making the decisions they have made. Because it feels like from that statement, Carrick is in charge for two games, then mm. we're going to get another interim manager. Mm. To the... It feels like they've almost been blindsided and they have no plan, would you agree? I would agree. I, it, it, feels, it feels like we just got off of a two-week international break. There was a, a, a three... Three games to save your job. This has kind of been coming. Now they, they've sacked him okay. But to put Carrick in, in charge for two games, they're obviously, they know who they want as the interim manager. They're just obviously trying to figure, figure out details and get, get them on board. But by the way, that's a hefty, hefty job because the guy they want clearly is six months away. In that six months or however long it is, they have to qualify for Champions League because if they don't, the guy they want isn't coming to the football club. Yeah. So this, this still is, feels a little bit sticky to me. Do you think the guy they want you're talking about is Pochettino? That seems like the right fit for me. Get, he, if he gets through this season with, with PSG, they go, I think he's a brilliant fit. I think he's a fantastic manager. It, the, this team is quality. They have quality within the ranks. They need fresh ideas. Tactically, certainly from a technical standpoint as well, they have that. But let's just talk about the man that comes with Becker because... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has lost his job because of what we've seen on the pitch, and that falls in his lap. There's a lack of structure, there's a lack of joined-up thinking at this football club that falls on the lap of the ownership and the, the executives who run the football club. If you go and get the right man with this same structure, he will fail. This football club has to start to build the things behind the manager that's so important. Like what, Rob? Like your technical director, like your scouting system. Manchester United go and buy some great individual players. And guess what? Now and then they play like a great a, a team with great individuals who have moments. They don't play like a team because that joined-up thinking isn't there. When, when all the top managers now have their people, have their guys with them, they go together and they know the profile of the players that they want and they build something that, that's going to last. Manchester United is a week-to-week -week kind of uh, experiment. Technical director right now is Darren mm. Fletcher. Yeah. Michael Carrick is the caretaker manager for two games. Mm. Are there too many legends? Are they too stuck in the Sir Alex Ferguson era? Mm. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um... You know, what I, what, what I, what I hear Robbie saying is, is exactly right. There needs to be a top world-class manager, and you talked about Pep and Klopp and Tuchel. They come into a football club, and they say, before they even sign the papers, they say, this is what I need to be successful. This is how my teams play. These are the players I want to target, and they do it. They put it in place, and they have a plan. That's what they need, and that's why I think if you can get a Pochettino, he has those ideas. This, this thing around, around, like you say, the players around... The players around the football club, and, and I mean this in no disrespect to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he should be showing people around as, as an ambassador in, 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 the, in the suites upstairs. 
He shouldn't be managing this football club based on the, the reason he's got the job is that he scored a famous goal. Thomas Tuchel's probably never been in the King's mm. Road, never even been to Chelsea for, for a day out, yet goes into that football club and in six months turns them around and wins a, ta- wins a Champions League. Which tells you, Robbie, that the season is salvageable. They have Correct. 26 games mm. left, two in the Champions League. Why don't they try and go and get the man that they want in the summer now? The, because the man who they want will probably be in work. But... But can't you get I, him out? I don't can't feel, they pay? I, I'm with you... Like, we keep saying the best option. This is the biggest job in English football. It's one of the biggest club jobs in world football. Go and get the best, the, the best manager to go in. And if that's Pochettino, go to PSG, knock their door down, offer them 50 million if that's what it's going to take, and get Pochettino but to come into your football club. Agreed. They're up against it now. Look at the situation they're in. They named the interim interim. The guy they want is just sitting back rubbing but his hands together. The decision they make... Coming up, Rebecca, is huge for this football club. Which it is one? Huge. The, 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 after the interim, interim, After the interim. The guy who the, we, we say, oh, he's now the next okay. man going forward because it's eight years since they won the last title. They're nowhere near winning one now. They get this wrong we start going into 10, 11, 12 years without a title. Things start to change at this football club. But is Maurizio Pochettino at the level of a Guardiola, a Klopp and a Tuchel, the other three bit yeah, of the big four all delivered. who are all yeah. delivering. They're, they're category A. Conte goes into that category as well. Pochettino's category A-. minus. But right now, I think, with what he's done, knowing the league, his development of players, I think he's the best option you've got to go and get to be the next Manchester United manager. What do you think Cristiano Ronaldo's thinking right now? Wow. I'm thinking he probably has a lot of say in what's actually going on, whether it was what just happened or what's about to happen. Um, And I think rightfully so. He is is charismatic. He has that personality. Clearly, he he will run that dressing room. I'm certainly hoping that the the powers be, they don't have to bow down to him and, and, and get exactly what he wants, but certainly he should be listened to because we forget, we talk about too many players from from yesteryear and and Sir Alex Ferguson era. Mm. This is someone who won everything and did it with Manchester United, so he should be listened to. And the clock's ticking for Cristiano Ronaldo. This year, next year, probably that's it. Mm. He wants it now, Rebecca. Do you think the other players will be relieved this morning? Yeah. I think Ollie will be relieved. I actually think, deep down, he's, he's an honest Manchester United man, and this is the best decision for the football club. Yeah, the players will be relieved because I think players will always look for an excuse, myself included when I played, and this is an excuse for them. They've let the manager down, but now the spotlight is on who? Not the players. On Oligon and Solskjaer. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Arsenal, of course, haven't lost their manager so far this season. It feels like basically everybody else has. There has been six managerial changes after 12 games of the season. Of course, the latest one was this morning, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, fired by Manchester United just before we came on air. Elsewhere, Watford, well, they change their manager very often. Cisco Munoz went out, Ranieri in, Steve Bruce out at Newcastle, Eddie Howe in. Nuno out at Spurs, Conte in, Farker out, Dean Smith in at Norwich, and at Villa, of course, Dean Smith out and Steven Gerrard in. 
that is the topic of our boot room this morning. And Robbie Earl, we call mm. it the managerial merry-go-round when you have one or two changes. This yeah. is the busiest merry-go-round of all Absolutely. time this season. And so many, I think, are linked, triggered because of what's going on at the bottom of the table and the fear of getting relegated. Is that what drives the change? Absolutely. Bottom three top four. Top four for the big clubs. They've got to get Champions League football. It means so much to them, profile and money. Bottom of the league, Rebecca, those bottom three, if you drop out the Premier League with its riches and, and with all that it brings, you could end up like a Sunderland down in League One. You could end up like Derby, look like they're going down to England. Teams who were in not that long ago in the Premier League, completely out of the picture and not knowing when they're going to come back. And so I think we'll continue to see these kind of changes. We'll probably have another run towards the end of the season. And so from that perspective, Tim, you can understand why owners pull the plug. Well, absolutely. I think there is, there is the fear of, as you said, going down and losing out of that money. But what we're also seeing in the trend is the new manager bounce. We are, we are seeing continually teams who are struggling get that little bit of a, of a, of a pep in their step. And that means whether that's six points or nine points, or, it gives them this boost. And so, yes, I think ownership is right. I, look, don't like seeing managers lose their job, but if it's to keep the club in the Premier League, and they can do that, or, or, or top four, whatever whatever the financial structure is. If we can keep, if that change can bring automatic results, which is what we're seeing, then absolutely you're going to see ownership continually chop and change often. And Tim, it's really interesting because when managerial changes happen, us here in the studio, sometimes we all feel like, oh, that sounds good. So Conte mm-hmm. to Spurs, you sort of feel happy with that. Gerard to Villa, mm-hmm. you feel happy with that. Even Dean Smith to Norwich. And then maybe you get others you're not too sure about. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, first of all, the ones that you're not sure about. Mm-hmm. Eddie Howe at Newcastle, yet to take charge on the side, was officially in charge yesterday. Newcastle at bottom. It's a worry. It's a worry because I, I think Eddie Howe is a good manager. He showed that, so, yeah, obviously, Bournemouth went down recently, but he showed that he, he, he has what it takes to put together a team tactically, get a team playing for him on a, a much smaller budget at Bournemouth than he has at Newcastle. So I think that could work. My fear is that it may be too little too late because right now Newcastle aren't playing very well. They don't look like they have much confidence. So he has a big job, not only to get them tactically playing well, but to give them this boost of confidence. And, Robbie, it's interesting mm. because when you look at the Howe appointment and yeah. the Ranieri at Watford mm. and whoever comes in eventually after Michael Carrick and then after him at United, mm. those three clubs clearly don't have a plan. Whereas you look at Gerrard, yeah. you look at Villa, you look at yeah. Norwich, yeah. it feels more of a plan. That's the difference, right? Yeah, those feel like more joined-up thinking. I think the Eddie Howe one is, is interesting. I mean, almost like there's a curse around Newcastle. He gets mm. the manager's job, then gets COVID, not being able to be there. Any job you give a manager is a risk at this time. You think of Van Gaal and, and Mourinho, you know, storied and won everything, still a risk. You know, Eddie Howe is a risk. The biggest risk, I think, for Eddie is the style of football he wants to play is not necessarily style of football you'd say, bottom three, like, let's work our way out of it. First thing he talked about this week was getting on the ball and being more progressive and playing football. 27 yeah. goals they've conceded. And 3-3 three, three yesterday. 3-3. Three, three, and which... are, those, are those players that he has good enough to fit that system. Well, that becomes a question with, with Eddie Howe. Is he putting more trust in these players? Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a big January window for them coming. But it, it is a risk. And as you say, it's the kind of risk that all owners will take because they feel they've got to do something to stay in the league. Well, it's really interesting about the January window because Newcastle, more than any other club, they can't go down. With the new investment, with the new owners, they have this plan where the sky's the limit. And I, so I think... They have to spend massive money in January to get Eddie Howe 
the the reinforcements that he needs because I, I don't think these players are good enough to stay in the Premier League. The crazy thing about the Premier League is mm. that you could imagine Eddie Howe, if he was to struggle come March, they change yeah. again <laughs> yeah. and they bring in a big Sam yeah. or a Pulis mm. to try and then go horses for courses and just keep them in the Premier League because things are that dire and that important. As you say, Tim, they cannot go down. Conte at Spurs, is he a risk? No. Not so there's very me. few risks. There's very few risks, really, and he's one of them. And, and, and they've got them. Manchester United must be sitting there going, why didn't we move two or three weeks ago? I mean, I just said to you off air, if I'm Manchester United, I'm looking at that Conte contract and seeing if there's any way I can get him <laughs> out of there in the summer. But, um, no, Conte will... I think Conte will leave your club in better position than when he, he walked in the door. And he's a Category A winner who knows what he's doing. If we ever know a club that has a plan, it's Norwich City. Mm. They are looking like they're planning for possible relegation with a manager who has on his CV promotion. Clever. Very clever. And, and I think that the length of Dean Smith's contract feels right. If he keeps them up, great. Happy days. Everyone in Norwich is celebrating. If they go down, and we, we know they've accepted the fact that they're a yo-yo club, they do have a manager in place who understands the championship, who knows how to get a team out of the championship and back to the Premier League, and then therefore he should be rewarded for that. So that plan seems like it might work. Why do you think Gerard feels like such a good fit? Because every time you see him, you hear him, you watch him, he feels like a top-class manager. There's no manager speak. There's no bit where you go, oh, I don't quite understand that. He looks to me like he, had a, he dedicated his life to his playing career and he's going to dedicate his life to being a top-class manager. And, and I think it's great business, a great move, and he can achieve things at Aston Villa. Everyone keeps talking about the Liverpool, Liverpool. He can achieve things with Aston Villa because they're an ambitious club with money. Right, that's six managers out after 12 games. That would be 12 managers out by Christmas. Welcome back inside our studio, Rebecca Lowe, Robbie Earl and Tim Howard. Um, what are Everton not doing enough of under Rafa Benitez, Tim? Well, I think defensively they're, they're asked to do quite a lot of, of you know, work where they're digging in and getting in, in those two blocks. And they don't have, an, without Dominic Calvert-Lewin, they don't have enough up front to get him up the park. Because even though it's just him... There was some Route 1 stuff, and he's big enough and strong enough to chase it and head it to himself and at least got them up to pitch. They're, they're doing what he's asking. They're defending as best they can. Well, as Robbie said in the first half, once that game opens up with the first goal, then they have to come out a little bit and they get exposed. Just trying to get some balance of some football, Rebecca. I've been in those teams when you, you sat back four, midfield four, and it's tiring and it wears you down and physically it's demanding because all you're doing is chasing and not having the ball. When you have some possession, you can build a bit of confidence. That just gives a spark to the team and it might mean you can, you can force City back. But it, it was one-way traffic, sort of as advertised before the game. Can a new City have the possession? They'd create the chances and they put them away. I mentioned the run-in at the moment or the next run of games that Everton mm -hmm. have got. How understanding are the Everton fans going to be right now? Not very. I mean, Everton fans in general aren't very understanding, and rightfully so. And uh, I worry for the Brentford game. Brentford's this game that can go can go either way. Richarlison missed out due, due to yellow card suspension. Demario Gray looks like he has an injury. Still, probably no Calvert Lewin. So the the injury list and the suspensions are are adding up even more even worse for Rafa Benitez, and, and that will be a worry. From City's perspective, just classic City back up to second, Absolutely. going fine. And we talked about the top three: Liverpool, Chelsea, City, all got the job done in what could have been difficult games this weekend. Uh, City, I think I called it silky strangulation. You saw it to, at its best today, and two brilliant goals. The first two goals were outstanding. 
Let's hear from both managers, starting with Pep Guardiola. When Rodri scores that spectacular second, then you can relax and, and play a bit more quickly. In you? Premier League, Chosidos never relax. Never, ever. So You look pretty relaxed. It, team, yeah, it looks like, but no. I would say it was the worst, the, 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 the best not good moments after the second goal. So they run, they make own actions, everyone starts to do his own action and forget what they have to do. And that's why they, they, we run more backwards than what didn't happen before. Um, of course, they pull long balls to Rondon. Rondon is a master to keep the ball and after you have to defend deeper. But uh, in general, in general, after international break, after before international break was an excellent performance in Old Trafford and today as well. Yeah, but I must ask you as well, a lot of hard work goes into the academy here and the coaches yeah. and all the rest of it. You've given Cole Palmer his full Premier League debut, McAtee his yeah, Premier League debut, Phil Foden was on the pitch, of course, today. Yeah, no. How important is that for you and, and this L- football Listen, we don't, give, we don't give the opportunities because they are the academy. He's a business. And the business has to play. But uh, especially Cole is playing, training with us for a long time. And, and uh, all of us, we know, we have a, a group of generation of young players in the academy. They are so good. These two, we have Does that still excite you, Pep? Yeah, of course. I players. love it. I love it. Because they give you everything. So, you know, they want to grab the wall, eat the wall. You know, they want to they be there and they do everything. And, and, uh, and it's good. It's good for the young players, for the, you know, for even financially, even for the identification for the, the Mancunian players, you know, that for the academy, for the, our fans. It's so good. But they, they must be good. Otherwise, they, they are not here just for the fact they live in Manchester. But you have a generation with this, with Cole, with uh, with him, with Romeo, with uh, Liam Delap, with uh, with uh, Luke Mbete, with uh, Sami Dozi. We have uh, four, five, six players that they have good quality, and uh, and we are nice when it's possible. And yeah, we can use it. Six without a win, difficult moments. You have to all stay together at the moment. Yeah, it's always. Difficult when you are not winning, but at the same time we were very close in a lot of games. So I think it's more about winning or not. It's just uh, how the team is reacting, how the team is doing things, and we were very close in, in the majority of the games. Just finally, for you as an experienced coach, you haven't, like I say, got many numbers at the moment. You have to work with that group and try and squeeze the the most out of them going forward. Yeah, for us, we knew that uh, some key players injured will be a problem. So what we have to be sure is that we go to January and then try to to win some games and then be in a good position and we are convinced that in the second part of the league with players coming back will be stronger. Thanks Rafa. Thank you. I mean, we just have to look at him again, don't we? I think we've got some footage as well of uh, Antonio Conte at the end of the game, at the goal going in. Robbie Earl, they have been crying out for passion like this, haven't they? Absolutely. I mean, right now, Rebecca, I'd love to be playing for Spurs Mm. just to be part of of what he brings. And this football club over the last few years has lost its leadership, has lost some direction. All of a sudden, it's back again. Look at this guy. The Premier League misses him. He brings something unique and a football manager earns his crust in the week, training and, and putting everything right. But where it really matters is a 15 minutes at half-time. That's when a manager really comes into his own. And his 15 minutes, whatever he said, whatever he did, changed the game because Spurs were a completely different team in the second half. And because of that, they didn't play brilliant football. They weren't scintillating. They were two scrappiest goals. 
but something changed because of that guy. And Tim, that's exactly why Antonio Conte is in that elite group of Guardiola's, Klopp's, Tuchel's and a couple of others and Conte, right? Well, Robbie said it. This is a guy you want to play for. You want to know that your manager is human. You want to know that he cares. When that second goal went in, the game winner, you saw all of the Spurs players sprinting over to regular hands in the air. They're already feeling that passion. I mean, Antonio Conte is going to need an ice bath in about 10 minutes from all those the hugs and the, and the slaps on the back. But I'll tell you what, you can see it's, it's just starting to take shape. This is what he wants. He wants to show his players that he cares. He wants passion. But again, they didn't deserve to win that game in the first half. So what he said at halftime, the subtle changes he made, good on him. Let's hear from the match winner, Sergio Regulon. Sergio, you told us before the game that the new training regime was the worst week of your life. So how does it feel now to score your first goal for Tottenham? Now I'm the person most happy in the world. In my first goal in Premier League, we get three points. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. And now we continue. Perhaps that fitness training gave you the sharpness to be in there to follow up for the goal. What? Perhaps that fitness, the work you've been doing training, it gave you the sharpness, physical and mental, to be there to score yes, a goal. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, when when we attack, I I have to to have the mentality from from my striker, and uh, the gaffer wants that. I have to arrive, 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 and also defend. Now I'm dead, but I'm so happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> You're the happiest dead person I know. <laughs> Tell me, what was the difference between Tottenham in the first half and the second half? Well, uh, they start really, really good. Uh, they occupied uh, really good the space, and on, on the halftime, they they got a goal uh, go man to man, and we did an extra effort. We we went with everything. <laughs> you can you can show the match, and and it's I think it's a it's a it's it's, it's the way you know it's the way. Uh, we were losing the the first half, and our mentality was. Uh, like a, a big team, and we get the the three points. Sorry, I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> I'll just keep you going just a little bit. How much did you feel coming off at half time? You could hear the crowd's reaction at half time, and the crowd also. It was very quiet. How much did you feel you needed to have a response? No, uh, the players. Uh, we are the, the the first man, and we we know that we have to give more. The fans. Uh, always support us, but sometimes uh, he has reason. And when when they say "ooh," it's normal. We are players. We have to 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 admit that. And now uh, focus on the game. I keep going. A very happy Sergio Regulon and Arlo White and Graham Lazer. If you get yourselves down to the tunnel, you might get there in time for a hug, chaps. They're going around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, incredible. What what a contrast. They were booed off at halftime, and then Antonio Conte whipped this crowd up into a frenzy mm. after that uh, one during the, the 2-1 victory. Um, Sergio Regulon was excited there in his interview, and he kind of echoed something you were saying in the game about going man-to-man a little bit more in the second half, and it works. Yeah, they changed their whole body language and their approach in that in that um, half-time team talk, as, as Robbie was saying, and Tim, that, you know, something changed, and, and Regulon said it there. Man-to-man didn't change system, but went high, pressed, took risks, mm. And as I said during the commentary, went from a team that was sort of a bit passive and waiting for something to happen, not wanting to lose, to suddenly being a team that took the handbrake off and thought, you know what, we're going to take risks, we're going to work hard, we're going to give everything. And that's epitomised by the manager as well and the fact that he united everyone around mm. that second half performance. But it's half a game. Yeah. Okay? They've got huge, huge amounts of work to do to, to really start to understand this system. 
because the quality of players that they've got, they're going to have to not just change the system, but improve in the way they play as well. What did you make of Harry Kane? Didn't score today, but physically. Mm. Yeah, he looked lighter, didn't he? I mean, he looks like he's looked like he had the world on his shoulders since mm. he didn't get his move to, to City, and it's been a difficult, you know, it's been a difficult time for him. Plus, you know, the the success that England had at the Euros, getting to the final, um, and I just think he felt that he was, you know, the wave of positivity it had a positive impact on him as well, and he looked much sharper and much more committed. Yeah. Are you worried about Leeds? I am, yeah, because they, you know, they, they started the game well, but they weren't able to sustain it. And there's clearly, again, an imbalance in that team that is a, a real worry for me. I think, you know, they're, they're always a team that are going to work themselves out of problems. Mm. But I don't know whether they've got the ability to, to convert chances and to sustain that quality that intensity for 90 minutes through a long season. They need some big players back, don't they, from injury and illness. We'll see you next week, Rebecca. Antonio, how big a contrast in your feelings at half-time and at full-time? Totally different. Totally different because uh, in the first half uh, we struggle. We struggle a lot uh, physically, um, about the intensity. Also tactically, because uh, they put a lot of pressure uh, on uh, every time we we had the the, uh, the ball. I think in the second half uh, we've changed something uh, tactically, and also we want to to go to to play in uh, in the same intensity of Leeds, maybe higher. And uh, before the game, I, I was a, a bit afraid, you know. To, uh, to 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 uh, to know after uh, after three weeks uh, and to know very well the physical condition of the player if they were able to to play uh, the whole nine minutes uh, with the, the intensity of the second half and uh, I'm pleased I'm pleased because I have seen that in the second half we we played uh, very well and. Uh, Leads uh, in, the, in the first half, they they lead they lead the uh, the game. In the second half, I think uh, we we deserve to win. We create many chances to score, and uh, this is a, a point to to start. And uh, I say this to to my players, and uh, they have to understand that uh, if we want, uh, we we can. Just how concerned were you in that first half when your team were flat, Leeds were on top, and also the crowd were very flat? And you said to us before the game about the importance of the crowd. Yeah, but uh, the crowd, the crowd. Uh, I think the the feeling of the crowd uh, many times depends of uh, of us. And uh, for sure, in the first half, uh, we didn't play well, and uh, we lost. Uh, um, many uh, many tackle and uh, maybe uh, to uh, to consider goal uh, at the last minute of the first half was was good was good because uh, then in the second half uh, I spoke with the players we have changed uh, the plan and uh, I was very pleased because uh, they showed me a great will great decide to to win this game and uh, this game uh, wasn't easy and. Uh, um, we uh, we knew we knew this also because uh, uh, I read the stats and uh, Leeds was uh, the first for run for the intensity 
And uh, instead, I think in the second half, uh, we changed something tactically and also in the intensity, we beat them. Let's hear from Calvin Phillips. Calvin, do you feel that you deserve something out of the game today? Put in a real shift. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, after the first half, I think we played some good football. We played at our tempo and then, you know, right at the end we got the goal and, you know, we went in at half-time really confident and I think second half we kind of knew what was going to come out. We knew it was going to come out, you know, wanting to press us and, and they did that well and, you know, we couldn't really play his game as what, the same as what we did in the first half. So, yeah, we're very disappointed. Your manager produced a real surprise, putting you in the back line. Tell us about the decision and what he said to you about what he wanted from you. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know why he did it. I think, obviously, we wanted to be a little bit more defensive because we knew the, you know, attacking threat of both Harry and Son. Um, so we had Diego on to Son and me and Coots basically trying to man mark whenever he was floating on either side. So. You know, I think it worked well in the first half and even you know parts in the second half I think we did really well against Harry but we just lack of concentration on you know some parts of the game which cost us. Was there anything you could have done to stem the tide which you knew was coming in the second half? Probably probably you know a bit a bit better game management I'd say. Um I think you know one nil up in the second half and Obviously, we want to try and push for a goal, but I think you know, there's times where we were playing where we couldn't really play out, and you know, I think in them cases you got to just try and kick it long and you know soak, soak, soak up the pressure. And you know, I think at times we did that as well. Um, we did well in that, and you know, like I said too, you know, probably moments of lack of concentration on both parts, um, and obviously they got the goal, so we're very disappointed. Two interesting points from that interview. One, he doesn't know why he was mm. moved to the back line. And two, he didn't. He seemed like he wanted to say something mm. then as to what they could have done better second half but didn't. Your thoughts, Tim? Well, my thoughts are, I've said this before, we, we have to see a different version of Leeds, right? Mm. Bielsa asks everything. He probably asks more of his players physically than any manager in the Premier League. They're also... They also want to see results. And when the players are given everything and they're still exposed, they have to do what the manager asks them, mm-hmm. don't they? So they're asked to run around, they're asked to kick, they're asked to run out of position. And they don't want to lose football matches. And if they're doing that and losing football matches, they will get frustrated and we're seeing that there. Players will always go with what's successful and mm-hmm. follow that. And that mm-hmm. was last season. And big players are back in. International players now are at stage in, in their life and have got a platform might just start mm-hmm. be questioning some of the things that are happening. Now, I'm not speculating that there's a divide in the dressing room. But that's an international footballer who's asked some questions and dithered on really covering maybe mm. the manager's back. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7am Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.